listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Eric Daw. That dude, that guy, he said, he... Yep, you hate him. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files podcast. It's a lot of guitar talk, basically. My name's Eric Daw. My profession is guitar science. Mm-hmm. Some call it luthery. With 25 years of experience restoring, building, and repairing guitars, my co-host today is Nat. Howdy, Nat. Howdy. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Mm-hmm. So what have you been working on? What's on your bench? I, I've been working on a couple of vintage refins that have really been kicking my rear end. You don't care for that, do you? Well, I, I, I actually like it, but the problem is I I had one sent to me that I thought was a, a nitro mm-hmm. refin, and it was poly, and getting... Dang it. Removing poly, that's a completely different ball game than removing nitro yeah yeah you prefer some kind of dental work i imagine and getting it off cleanly and then it yeah it's because yeah. you know it has to be flawless once you get the finish off and i had to remove the poly with a heat gun oh. and it just wasn't as clean and smooth as i would have liked you and know i can so, mess up the wood a little bit no it didn't mess up the wood okay. it was just the undercoat there's like uh, it just didn't come off as cleanly as I'd like. The wood's fine. It's just getting all the stuff okay. off of the wood. Heck. Yeah. Yeah, it's not fun. It's not the funnest. Anyhow, the other things I've been working on are uh, some custom guitars. Cranking them out. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like I tr- S and T? I styles. wanted to try to do three a month, but here we are. It's March, and I've... Uh, yeah, I'm, a, I've already fallen way short. That was a short month. I've already fallen. Give her another way. shot. That's the problem with February. Mm-hmm. You just blink and it's gone. I know it's gone tomorrow. It's a heck of a thing. Yeah, it really. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, that's what I've been working on in the shop. If you want to participate in the show, and you really should, you should uh, go over to my website, ericdaw dot com. That's e r i c d a w dot com. Click on the contact link there and send in your question or comment. We'll use it as part of the show. And the other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. I was realizing today that I took that little liner out of the... Out of the outro? Out of the intro. Oh. So the intro used to have me saying that. And now it has uh, Skip Simmons from the AMP podcast saying that he hates me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it is, used to have a which famous celebrity voice that was you. Yeah, it used to just be me going, to participate in the show, call 757-774-8482. And now it's just some weird meta reference of a guy who says he hates me, even though he doesn't. Uh, it's kind of catchy. I like it. I mean, everything's just gone super weird. 
the world has just yep, it's spun out of control, which is why we're going to do something you can rely on here. We'll do something, a podcast. Something you can guitar depend on. Guitar History Corner. Some guitar history. That's right. Way back in the annals of time. The mm-hmm. Way back. Way back in 1916. Whoa. That's right. The Martin Guitar Company came up with a new kind of acoustic guitar. And it was bigger than previous guitars. And they uh, just called it a D size. Right? D18, D28, D45, right? D. The D designation stands for, you know the word. I know, dreadnought. Dreadnought. Now, some people don't know this, and I I was mentioning this to Nat before the podcast. I know some of you won't know this. A lot of you probably do. In fact, probably maybe most of you even do. I don't know. Nat seemed to think that everyone, a child of four, knows this. Shoot, everybody knows this. A child of four could could know this. Well, several guitar nerds probably know it. Where does the word dreadnought come from? Now, people, people may not know this. Uh, Give me a hint. (laughs) It's a nautical theme. It is very nautical. Incredibly nautical. Yeah. It's totally nautical. Yeah. Uh, The dreadnought, that term referred to a battleship at the time uh, of the same time as this guitar was made. This... They ha- there was a ship called the HMS Dreadnought. Oh, it wasn't just a style of ship. No, it was a it was a ship, the HMS Dreadnought. Oh, now, do you know what HMS stands for? Well, I didn't. You mm-hmm. told me, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I thought it was Her Majesty's or His Majesty's steamship without an S. Yeah, it's Her Majesty's ship. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, I thought you told me it was something else. Her Majesty's ship. Oh, I remember the, the other dreadnought. One. Well, yeah. the R. So There's an R. Yeah. So, like the Titanic was RMS Titanic. Yeah. And RMS stands for Royal Mail Ship. Uh huh. It's a British thing. I don't know what they're doing. HMS is Her Majesty's ship. Um, or I guess at the time it would have been His Majesty's ship. Yeah. It's interchangeable, man. Yeah pronouns Mm -hmm. what are you gonna do they're progressive uh however um the spelling is is oftentimes different dreadnought it's n-o-u-g-h-t or n-a-u-g-h-t you see it different ways but it's kind of coalescing this time of mm -hmm. history um the dreadnought style supposedly was originally developed in 1916, and it was manufactured by Martin specifically for the retailer, the Oliver Ditson Company. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. And get this, the model was retired after dismal sales. Hmm. In 1931, they revisited the design, and they began producing dreadnought guitars under their own brand. The first two models being the D1 and the D2. Oh. Mm-hmm with bodies made of mahogany and rosewood, respectively. Yep. Yeah. Uh, And the popularity and demand for Martin Dreadnought guitars uh, increased their use, right? So it actually caught on this time. So 1916, the world just wasn't ready for Dreadnoughts. No, they're 
too dang big. I guess so. And they hadn't invented Bill Monroe yet. And people were smaller back then. Yeah, they're just we. <laughs> they were. They were. <laughs> they were. They didn't want some big honking guitar on. Yeah, kind of thing they can't even wrap their hands around it. Yeah, it must have looked giant compared to the parlor guitars of the day. Yeah. Anyway, that's the point. The dreadnought is named after the um, Royal Navy's HMS dreadnought, which was commissioned in December 1906. This is, we're we're getting into nautical history here. Yeah, it's intertwined, and this is probably the most historical guitar history corner that you've had. Mm-hmm. Um, Britain's fleet gained an immediate technological advantage over any potential adversary at sea with this revolutionary battleship. Yeah. It had a displacement of 17,900 tons. Dang. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, I've been listening to a podcast called Beyond the Breakers. Whoa. And it's so great breakers like surf breaker reefy stuff well not not electrical breakers it is a podcast where each episode details a shipwreck whoa a specific shipwreck huh and i've always been into that i don't know why i have like 10 books about shipwrecks and i just i i don't know why i dig shipwrecks it's just interesting to me like the futility of it something about like a perfectly made, a perfectly good boat sitting at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. There's something about that. Mm. So Beyond the Breakers is a great little podcast. That's a little, uh, that's a little plug for them. Yeah. Help Check out. out Beyond the Breakers. But the Dreadnought, um, is, is, uh, you know, that's, that, 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 uh, is like a crossroads of, of guitar history yeah. and, nautical history yeah it's an intersection man yeah i like it i bet you've never really owned a dreadnought because i unless you consider that big old square silver tone harmony kind of thing oh that k that i have do you have a big old square one it's it's kind of a jumbo yeah, yeah they're just huge yeah that giant pumpkin yeah colored k is more of a jumbo really yeah yeah i like them i do too i'm i've i've owned several dreadnoughts i'm sure have you? Yeah, I'm sure I have. I like them, but I'm getting into those smaller bodies. Yeah. Maybe, I think. I know. Yeah, I know. I do, too. I like those, too. Uh, we've got some phone calls. Oh. Yeah, let's do that. Let what do you it. say? Hey, Eric and Nat. This is Micah calling from Omaha. Oh, hi. I've got a very esoteric question, which I guess that's kind of the whole podcast. The... <laughs> Oh. I've got a guy <laughs> complaining <is>. about <laughs> a pot that is has too much resistance, not electrical resistance, like the way the Physical friction of resistance. it, the way it turns. Whoa. I actually like that because then I don't bump it and it moves. But guys that swell the volume pot with their pinky, they want a loosey-goosey pot. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what brand of pots do you would you suggest as low friction or is there a way to get like these CTS pots that I normally use supposed to be good, but they're not as slick as for example, Mm. I think DeMarzio makes a low friction one. I don't really want DeMarzio parts though. Is there a way (laughs) to loosen up a frictiony pot 
or is there a brand you like for that purpose that spin really easy? Thank you. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for calling in. So, yeah, I've run into this occasionally before. Guys who like to do volume swells want a really loosey-goosey feeling potentiometer there. So, And there is a way to make those standard CTS pots roll. Is that right? Yeah, smoother and with less resistance. Not electrical resistance, as as he says, but... Mechanical, mechanical, physical resistance. Yeah, friction. With less friction. Let's say friction. Okay. Because resistance is confusing. Mm-hmm. Because of the double meaning. Yeah. How long can I beat this dead horse? Ah, you give it another shot. Uh, so the way to do it is where the sh- where the shaft comes out of the little collar. So you've got the you've got the big round pot housing, mm-hmm. and then you've got a collar, and then the shaft is coming up through the collar. Where the shaft comes up through the collar, you put just a drop of fine. Oil, like machine so, oil like sewing machine. Yeah. yeah, machine oil. And work it back and forth, and that thing will loosen right up. Way less really? friction. Yeah, way less friction. You don't want to overdo it because you don't want your potentiometer to be full of oil. Yeah. Um, even though there is a, there should be just a little bit of um, lubricating oil in there anyway. I think that they put a little bit in there when it's manufactured, hmm. you know. Uh, in fact, that's one of one of the complaints that I run into sometimes for people um, who work on electronics and guitars. Uh, they don't like to spray out the pots too often with deoxidization, deoxidizing mm-hmm. cleaner yeah. because it flushes away that uh, thin coating of oil that, that they leave the factory with. Yeah, it cleans it out too well, huh? Yeah, almost a little bit too well. But yep, use just a just a drop of fine, you know, machine oil, and uh, they'll and then work it back and forth, and they'll loosen right up. And he'll he keep using those good CTS pots. Mm-hmm, absolutely interesting stuff, one. huh? That was a good, very specific and yet arcane question. And I like it. something I don't think we've talked about before, which at this point is frankly astonishing. I know. Yeah, I wrote it down. Hey, Eric. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for sending me a set of pickups um, that I ordered, the uh, the 60s Tele pickups that you make. Uh, I'm, I'm really just blown away by how good they sound. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, especially the neck pickup. I was, oh, I was I not those. expecting the neck pickup to sound uh, as great as it, as it did. I knew the bridge pickup was going to sound pretty cool. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you for that. My question to you is about pick guards. Um, I don't know if there's a certain type of material that that they're making pick guards out of these days, but um seems like I get a staticky sound when I if I touch the um the pick guard, like if I'm strumming my fingers. I know it's my probably part of it's my playing technique, but like my my middle finger um and third finger sometimes will rub across the pick guard as I'm strumming and I get a static sound. Uh, I know that it's, I've got it wired up pretty well, you know, as far as my lead dress and stuff. But, uh, I've heard of like taking a dryer sheet and rubbing the, uh, the pit guard so that it possibly can, uh, eliminate some of the static. But I just was wondering if you had any tips on how to eliminate that. So thanks again. And again, the pickups are just amazing. Appreciate it. Thank you. Right on. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Yeah, a dryer sheet can help. Uh, the other, other things that can help is if you take that pit guard off, uh, you can sand the underside of the pit guard and take the gloss off of the underside of the pit guard, and that'll help to take away some of that static electricity that right? that'll happen. Yeah, what's just, happening just is... Just rough it up. Yeah, you're getting static electricity from your body into the pit guard there, which which sometimes will make a little snap sound mm -hmm. as it arcs into the pickup cover and grounds out, right? Yeah. it's It happens on tellies. Tellies with those vinyl pit guards that are prone to uh, to static electricity. Yep. It's something we've touched on on the podcast several times. My gosh, it's been years. The first time we talked about this must have been six, seven years ago, and I cannot remember. The guy had some really good recommendations, and I can't remember what. Besides the old dryer sheet thing, huh? I think that it was sanding the underside of the pit guard. Hmm. Yeah. I think I had this before you changed the pit guard on mine. Oh, really? Yeah. You had the so same problem? Yeah, Bakelite now, I think. Oh, yeah, and Bakelite won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another option. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe not aesthetically correct for whatever you got going on, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sand the underside of the pit guard, take it off the guitar, rough it up with some sandpaper to take the gloss away, and then it, it should help it. It should keep it from doing that. Or at least, you know, mitigate it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. All right, we got one more call here. Let's take it. Uh, it is Eric and potential guest. Uh, it is February 28th, and wow. I'm trying to sneak a question in before you record. Hey, I just did a uh, reset on a Taylor acoustic guitar. Um, turned out really good. Um, but um, I had a question. Uh, I'm, I'm using um, gel viscosity super glue to glue my frets in, um, and when I'm wiping away the squeeze out, uh, I'm just using a uh, you know like a paper towel, and it's not getting it all, and it kind of looks a little gnarly sometimes. Uh, and I was just wondering uh, if you have any tips on what to wipe away the squeeze out of uh, super glue from gluing in frets. Uh, this is Adam in Sonora. Love the podcast. Thanks, man. Right on, Adam. I like this highly technical, tough job. I yeah. like this one. This is a good question. Yeah. I do the same thing. When I do a refret, I typically use gel, super glue, and, uh, huh. glue, and glue in the frets. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Um, my feeling is that it... Uh, I, I want frets that are just absolutely one with the neck. Yep. I don't want any movement, any wiggle at all, because uh, if that fret is able to absorb string energy at all, then your sustain and your tone suffers. Yep. So, and um, people say, well, Eric, you, that's such a mean trick to play on the next guy who's going to remove the frets. It's really not. If they know how to remove frets, they won't have a problem. I've removed plenty of frets that I had either previously glued in or that I knew someone huh. else had glued in and you they they come out just as easy if you do it right which is um heat them up and it breaks that bond you know oh does it okay yeah, I I put a little bit of water on the fret and run, then transmit then run heat. a soldering iron uh, along the fret heat it up real well and anyhow oh so I do the same thing I use gel viscosity 
a high quality super glue. And what I've found is just a little bit goes a long way. If you're having that much squeeze out, it can really make a mess. So what I would say is rather than find a better way to clean up the squeeze out, just use less glue. Mm-hmm. That's my suggestion. Man. And you'll know the right amount of glue because you'll just get the tiniest, tiniest little bit of squeeze out that you can just dab with a toothpick at the fret end, and it'll be fine. If you're getting squeeze out up over top on the surface of the fingerboard, Ew. then that's bad. You yeah, don't, that's gross. You're using way too much if that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. But, yep. Very good. Gnarly I appreciate indeed. the questions, guys. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it Snuck was. Snuck it in. Absolutely. Let's take a little break for uh, some commercial messages, and we'll be right back. Let's do. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron some people call it a neck press or a neck heater it is an invaluable tool in my shop i use it all the time i'd be lost without one of these i i love having a neck straightening iron and rick is making a really really stout industrial it, i i think it i think it's the best one that i've used and i've i've used a lot i've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s but they don't sell them anymore well now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com they're 749 i know that seems like a lot it's it's a tool i tell you what it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over if you go to playersgearmusic.com scroll down on the main page scroll 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 down to where it says fan of the fret files podcast you click that that adds one to your cart and it's 50 bucks off so instead of 749 it's 699 699 free shipping and it's yours a neck straightening iron playersgearmusic.com has them and you need one i'm telling you so go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out, and don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files Podcast sent you. This episode of the Fret Files Podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just cut a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. As you know from listening to the show, I repair and restore guitars. If you go over to ericdaw.com, you can see information about guitar repair and guitar restoration. You can contact me there. If you've got some guitar restoration or pickup rewinding, anything that you need done, 
If you want to see the custom guitars that I build, you can go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. There's a whole lot of guitars on there that have been sold, but I also post new arrivals there all the time. They go quick, so check often. The best way to get into the loop is to submit your email address on the uh, on the homepage of that website, and that'll add you to my email list, and you'll get a heads up when there's new guitars available. That's pinupcustomguitars.com and ericdaw.com. Oh, let's uh, read uh, a letter. Hi, Eric. I just heard you talk about putting Stratocaster necks on uh, on Telecasters, or vice versa. I put a Telecaster neck on a Stratocaster body. A Squire, but still a, a Stratocaster body. Because I like the way that looks. It works, as fine. it works fine as far as I can tell. The Stratocaster neck is rounded at the neck pocket, and the Telecaster neck is square, so I had to carve out the Stratocaster pickguard to get it in there, but it fit. Is that because I'm using an aftermarket neck and a squire body? That's from Sam in Rhode Island. Yes, thank you, Sam. Well, uh, I don't know uh, what parts fit what, if it's aftermarket this and squire that, but I can tell you um, that segment I did about uh, Stratocaster necks being rounded at the butt and Telecaster necks being square at the at the heel. Mm-hmm. Um, that was more about just why they did it that way. It's not to say that you can't put a Strat neck on a Tele and that you can't put a Tele neck on a Strat. You can. It's just that you'll have to modify things, which you found out. Yep. Yeah. So um, I wasn't saying that like the you know the universe is going to implode if you try to do that. You can. They were just trying to discourage it, I think. And that's why they designed them differently in the first place. Or maybe they, it was some kind of an upgrade. At some point, maybe they thought it would fit more securely, do you think? I don't. I think, that it, I think that it was entirely a uh, an attempt at at keeping people from swapping necks. Oh, it really the, was. On the different models. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Sam. How about this one? Hi, all. Hope all is well. I have questions about acoustic guitars. When changing the strings, the bridge pins will pop out when tuning to pitch. Is there a way to stop that from happening? My other question is, what is a good way to lower the action at the bridge? Those are pretty different. Thanks. Joe from Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, to lower the action at the bridge, you need to make sure that that's what the guitar needs. Oh, right? good. Uh, if, because if the, if the truss rod needs adjusted and you just lower the bridge in order to compensate for that, then you're doing the wrong thing. So you have to make sure everything else is proper first, but yeah, to lower the action at the bridge, you have to lower the saddle and to lower the saddle. Typically what you do is you take out the saddle and you sand it down from the bottom. And then when you put it back in, it's just a little bit shorter, right? But it's still square. Mm-hmm. You so need to make fits, right? yeah. You need to make sure that you that you make the bottom of the saddle flat, mm-hmm. uh, so that it sits properly in the slot. Some guitars don't really have a removable saddle, so uh, and there are all different kinds of like 
guitars with adjustable saddles, acoustic guitars with adjustable saddles. No, come different on. Different things. It, it, it happens. Who it's real. Who would do that? I know. Gibson. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, typically, like your typical acoustic guitar has a removable saddle, and you sand it down from the bottom. That is a gross oversimplification of the process. That's probably sufficient. If you're not comfortable yeah. <laughs> with it, or if you if you have... Uh, you know, hesitations about doing that. If you have reservations about doing that, do more research for real. Okay. Um, your bridge pins are popping out when you tune to pitch. So, uh, there's one of two things is happening here. One is either you don't have the string seated properly mm -hmm. or the, um, bridge pins just don't fit. So either they're too small or someone has reamed out the holes too large. Yeah. So one of those things is happening. What I like to do if when I'm restringing an acoustic guitar is I'll put a bend in the very end of the string where the ball end is. It's got those extra wraps or winds. Or yeah, whatever. and mm -hmm. the so the bend should it should make the ball end curl up inside the guitar and point towards the sound hole a little bit so that the ball end gets snugged up tight against yeah. the bridge plate or the bridge pad internally right and that will help it from popping out bridge pins now if your bridge pins are just loose you can order the easiest way to fix this is just order a slightly oversized uh, set of bridge pins which are available hmm. that can be done you know i i've run into this on one of my dread knot guitars mm-hmm the remedy was to change the color so I have one, one single one that's black and the rest of them are white. But also... Oh, so you found one that was slightly I bigger? Did. I did. But it was a different color. Yeah, and so I don't dare mess with it. But um, also, seating it, like you said, is essential. Mm -hmm. So have, have a thumb on it, pull that thing up so it seats right, and you can kind of hear it and feel it, and then... You yeah. might need to keep your thumb on it while you're tuning, and then it'll, it'll be pretty locked in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Good one. Hey, Eric. Thanks for the tip on buffing frets with the Dremel. I have an acoustic that is not very old, but found slight wear in the dreaded first three frets. Cowboy. Mm -hmm. Broke out the Dremel, and they polished up perfect. These are the types of things that really make my day. That's Chet in Connecticut. Nice. No kidding. Small successes. Thanks, Chet. Yeah, to polish frets, I use a, a small little Dremel wheel, a little tiny buffing wheel. But on my Dremel, I have kind of a special setup where I've got like a gooseneck extension on the Dremel. And oh, I can't yeah. remember what they're called. Yeah, it's flexible. Yeah, I think it's called a flex, flex shaft. shaft or something, yeah. So my Dremel has a flex shaft, and so my Dremel is like hanging on a hook. Um, Just at the back yeah, of the, my workbench. The motor, yeah. Yeah, the motor itself. And then that way the flex shaft can come up, you know, and move around my workbench really with ease, right? Ah. And then underneath my bench, I've got the Dremel motor plugged into an old oh. sewing machine pedal. Huh. So just with my foot, I can, it's like a gas pedal. I can turn the Dremel on at any time just with my foot. Grab that flex shaft and polish up frets. Really a slick thing, man. So you're not moving for a switch, you're not holding the whole motor? Yeah. That is nice. Just sticking a polishing wheel on a Dremel is a little bit unwieldy because you're 
right there on the fingerboard and it's, you know. Oh yeah, it's the, scary. The other thing that makes it easier is you can buy a little shield that goes around the fret and and protects the fingerboard and only lets the metal part of the fret protrude yeah, like from the plastic shield. or something. Yeah. No. Most most luthier supply places will have those. It's just called a fretboard shield or a fret shield, fingerboard shield. That's a good one. Uh what is the buffing wheel? It's not a, it's not fabric like you do on Yeah. Is it? Yeah, just a little tiny buffing wheel. I get them at Harbor Freight because oh. they're cheap and you burn through them real fast. Mm-hmm. But I know you can get them on Amazon. Okay, so it's just for a total final polish. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So that'll be like after sanding and poli- and after the after yeah. shaping, sanding, filing, all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Let's try another one. Hey, Eric. I've got so many cool things on my bench lately that I can't wait to pick your brain on. Uh-oh. Yeah. Including a dirty old Tysco. Now you're talking my language. I know. And a 70s Mustang bass. Mm, also very cool. That is neat. But today I want to ask you about strap locks. Oh. I'm not a fan. Oh, good. He exclaims. <laughs> yeah. But, I was, you had me yeah, worried there I know. for a minute. I know this this kind of roller coaster of emotions, but I did buy a used American Strat that has them assembled by the previous owner. I'd like to get it back to old school, but the screw width and length are different. Mm-hmm. Done desecrated it. How would you go about getting this otherwise great instrument back to normal strap land? Is this the kind of thing that can't really be undone, or maybe it's just not worth the effort, or maybe the integrity of the strap peg screw hole might be compromised? Let me know. Thanks, Sean from Ohio. Cool. Thanks, Sean. This is the kind of thing that sometimes leads to people will um, just abandon the the enlarged hole and just drill a new hole oh, no. like an inch away. Oh. And then you end up with two or three strap button holes on old guitars. I hate that. Ew. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that, Sean. What you want to do is get a, just a small dowel, you know, go down to the hardware store or maybe you already have one. Mm-hmm. Just a dowel that's just big enough that you can um, stuff it in there, right? You, you don't want it too small. Um, but one that's just the right size, dip it in tight bond, and then uh, put it in that um, strap button hole, and then uh, and then you can remount after it after the glue dries. You can remount in whatever kind of screw and strap button you want in there, and it'll absolutely be sufficient. It'll hold. Yep. And that little flange on the. Strap button thing will cover it right up, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Good one. Hey, all. Thanks for the podcast. A couple of years back, just by listening, I found the courage and knowledge to successfully repair a seagull with a smashed up top. He means a, a guitar. Oh, good. I yeah. was... I Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Ornithology, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that alone, I am tremendously grateful. Gosh, that'd be a tough repair. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have any tips for drilling additional holes in a finished solid body without causing cracks in the finish. I took a chance on an 83 BC Rich Mockingbird bass on eBay. Whoa. Mm. Flat reaction from the other side of the room there. And got lucky. It works. However, I wanted to upgrade the electronics. 
When I was much younger, I owned a similar bass that had some additional tone boost switches on it and wanted to upgrade this one to match. One of Rich's original techs from back in the day, Neil Moser, actually sells the mod as a drop-in kit. Oh, good. So I'm covered on that end. I just need to drill some holes, I think. Thanks again for the show. That's Josh Owens and Deplane... Deplane... Des... Deplane, Illinois. Deplane! Do you well, remember, I don't know. Do you remember... Because it's uh, like Dubois or something. Yeah. Ta- do you, do you remember... Uh, uh, that guy. Ta- was his name Tattoo? Tattoo? That's his whole name. He's a one-name yeah. famous guy. What was guy. the show called? Uh, Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island with yeah. Ricardo Montalban. I know. Oh, that takes me yeah, back. Yeah, Grandma I was didn't just, want me to watch that. I was just a little kid, man. I know. Came on after Dynasty, I bet. Yeah, or Dallas. Yeah. Or good MASH. One. Every time I turned on TV when I was a kid, they had it MASH. Three, they had it three times a day. I mean, I only had four channels. <laughs> you you know? had four? And it was either MASH or... Uh, because I, I just wanted Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. That's what I was yeah, waiting for. Or Zoom or some some kind of public something. Yeah, right. Boy, I wish. Uh, just That's a testament to the um, earthy authenticity of this show that we don't know any place names. Deplane. That's from Josh. Deplane, Illinois. Josh Owens, my buddy Josh. I tell you what, Josh. Let me tell you a little secret about drilling clean holes. In something. Are you hip to Brad Point drill bits? Whoa. Do you know about no. Brad Point drill bits? No, I thought you were going to say put some masking tape, do this with well, a playing you can card, do that too, but use a lighter. Uh, so Brad Point bits eliminate chipping on wood and finishes because they have. Um, you'd have to see. I'll, Is there a I'll little screw a, thing that? Yeah, I'll put a picture a here point with that drives it in, that draws it in a little bit. So it has a um, a point, mm-hmm. and then and then it really opens up into the drill part, and the drill part kind of comes with this claw, well, thing that that will that'll. It'll cut, it'll score, and it then cut a clean... Chisels very smoothly, huh? Yeah. Look up Brad Point drill bits, or look at fretfiles.com. I'll, I'll post a picture of the tip of a Brad Point yeah. drill bit for this uh, for the show notes for this episode. But That might be a good uh, point to look up the name of this town, too. Yeah, we don't really care about that. I'm interested. Um, yeah, so you can drill a much cleaner hole with no chip out with a Brad Point drill bit. I bought huh. a I bought a whole set of them so that I can drill whatever size hole I need to. But yeah, they're excellent for drilling cleaner holes. So this would go in the wood face, and then presumably he'd have in the the tone control cavity in the back that's covered by plastic. I guess he could put in his little micro switches and get rad with his. I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's he's installing a bunch of additional switches and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. So you're, maybe you're unwilling to countenance this this thought. About I mean, <laughs> have a good PC time. Rigs. I don't. I mean, that's yeah. I, I'm not going to try to talk you out of doing that because it's probably I'm already just done. Try, yeah, I'm trying to understand. But um, but to your question, yeah, Brad Point drill bits. The and the other things that can help are. What I like to do if I have to drill a hole and it has to be clean in a finished guitar, yeah, 
I'll heat up the finish just a little bit with I either it. with a hairdryer or with a a heat gun. But man, be careful with the heat gun because you can cook that thing. You can cook it real That's fast, dangerous. and then you then you burn the finish, you scorch it, and so just I'm just talking about warming up the finish a little bit. Yeah, it'll, that'll be great. It'll keep it from becoming brittle. Then you can put some masking tape uh, over the finish, and then use a brad point drill bit. And between those three things, there you should have no problem drilling a nice clean hole. Sweet. If you have access to one, a drill press. Oh boy! Really will help because it it enables you to really go slowly, but with yep. a lot of pressure. Smoothly. Smoothly. Yeah. I dig it. Yep. So those are my four recommendations. Heat the finish slightly. Use masking tape. Use a bread point drill bit. And use a... uh, uh, Drill press. Drill press. With a custom handle. Drill press. Yeah, mine has a custom handle, but that's because I'm so cool. (laughs) That is pretty cool. Well, I think so, but whatever. Okay, Uh, good one. Yeah, absolutely. That does it for the show. It was easy. Ah, oh, it wasn't that hard. It was yeah. painless, and it was a good episode. Thanks to our listeners and Nat, who helps. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah, I do what I can. Me, I just slept through this one. Well, I, I, yeah. At one I point, know. you did ask me if if I wanted to participate in the show, and I it did set me back a little bit. I thought, well, I'm doing the best I can, dude. Well, I was talking to the uh, to the listeners. Well, I'm a little slow. You already participate in the show way more than uh, than. <laughs> you get paid for believe me (laughs) yeah that does it for this episode of the fret files podcast if you want to participate in the show go to my website like i said ericdaw.com click the contact link and send in your question or comment or call or text 757-774-8482 and we'll talk to you next time thank you thanks everyone